the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh Uh-oh. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Hi, Alec McFarland here. We are uh, very glad today to be with you on Airing the Addisons. I'm sitting in for Will and Miki and just so honored to do that. And on the other program that I have the privilege of participating in, which is called Exploring the Word, now in our 10th year on the American Family Radio Network, we've been going through the book of Genesis. And when Abraham and Sarah were promised a child, uh, you know, Sarah kind of laughed, almost like, huh, right, at our old age. And the question was raised, is anything too hard for God? You know, in the New Testament, when the angel appeared to Mary and said that you're going to carry Jesus, uh, the, the Savior, God with us, and Mary asked the angel, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? And Gabriel said, uh, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, with that thought, I want to welcome you to this edition of Airing the Addisons. Very honored to be sitting in. And I've got uh, a friend that you're going to meet in just a moment named Daniel Fazina. He's written a book called Divine Intervention, 50 True Stories of God's Miracles Today. And it reminds me, um, I was debating an atheist a few years ago. I was in Colorado. We were backstage about to go out and do a debate on the subject, Does God Exist? And this particular atheist said to me in the green room, said, um, have you ever experienced a miracle? Well, well, the way he asked it was this. He said, are are you one of those Christians who believes in miracles? And I said, "Uh, absolutely. Uh, if, If by miracle you mean can God intervene in the world and has God reached into this world and done things, then absolutely, yes, I believe in miracles, an act of God in this world. In fact, this world itself is a miracle, the miracle of creation. And uh, so this atheist kind of kind of chuckled and said, so have you ever seen a, a verified miracle, an answer to prayer? And I sh- shared a couple of things that I think are absolute miracles. Let me ask you, dear listeners, have you ever experienced a miracle? Now, all of us, if you're a, a Christian, you've experienced the miracle of conversion, the miracle of salvation, God's intervention in not only this world, but in your very life as the Spirit of God called you to Jesus and opened your eyes and made you aware that Christ is the Son of God and that when he died on the cross, he did that for you and he did that for me. And you call on the name of the Lord and you say, dear Lord, save me, forgive my sins and come into my life. And uh, all of us, if you're a born-again believer, you have experienced at least one miracle, i.e., the miracle of conversion. But uh, my friend Daniel Fazina has written a great book, and I do want to bring him up in just a second, but I want to give the number. It's 888-589-8840. If you want to call in, if you've had a miracle in your own life and uh, you want to testify, you know, a testimony, that's when we brag on Jesus. That's when we talk about how good the Lord is. But I do want to uh, thank everybody for, you know, maybe six, seven weeks ago, I did a few shows and sat in for Will and Miki. 
I think it was back during the Christmas holidays a little bit, but at any rate, I got so many emails and people said they enjoyed it. I want to say thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, by the way, my website in my own email, my website is just my name, alexmcfarland.com. My email is alex at alexmcfarland.com. And yes, it will come right to me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I do want to make people aware we've got a, a special event this Sunday night, a free seminar that I'm doing in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville is kind of the western part of the state. And uh, Sunday night, I'm doing a seminar on reaching millennials for Christ. Now, everywhere I go, people talk about the fact that, you know, 20-somethings and younger sociologists say it's the least religious of any American demographic, and 20-somethings and younger don't care about the church. And, you know, that is something we need to, you know, be informed about, and we need to pray about and respond to. And I was just with a couple of leaders earlier today talking about the fact that, you know, we're not seeing young people uh, come to church like we used to. But I'm going to be doing a free seminar, 6.30 p.m., in Asheville, North Carolina, a conference center called Ridgecrest. Ridgecrest is a wonderful conference center, and the Rutledge Chapel, uh, I'll be doing uh, really some training and coaching. We've got a method of reaching 20-somethings and younger that we've we've really beta-tested in several churches, several cities, uh, small town, big town, urban areas, it works. Young people are brought in to discuss hard questions. You create a non-threatening, friendly environment. Kids invite their friends, and yes, they will hear the gospel. Anyway, if you want to come, we would love to have you. 6.30 p.m. this Sunday night, Ridgecrest. I'll be doing my, I call it a, a strategy briefing on reaching millennials and younger with the gospel. A lot of other things going on. We appreciate your prayers and support and appreciate all of you that listen to American Family Radio, and listen to our other program, Exploring the Word. Well, um, we are praying for Nashville. Nashville has had this terrible tornado, and, you know, the funny thing, exactly one week ago, I was in Nashville. There was a major convention there of Christian writers and broadcasters, and uh, someone, I got reacquainted with a colleague, Daniel Fazina. Um, he hosts a radio program called Divine Intervention, and and he's he's an author, he's a broadcaster, he's a Christian thinker and Christian leader, but he's written an amazing book on 50 true stories of God's miracles today. Let me tell you some of the people that have endorsed this book. Uh, Pat Robertson of CBN, Jack Canfield, famously the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, you know, I think of our, our colleague Lauren Green at Fox News, and so many people, uh, Kevin Sorbo, uh, Kim Alexis, the uh, actress and, and model, Frank Pastore, who's with the Lord now, who is a dear friend of mine at KKLA, and I guest hosted for him a number of times. But this really is an amazing book. Actually, one or two of the people he profiles uh, are people that I know, but amazing. And I want to tell you one of the reasons this book is amazing, because, you know, atheists will often say, give me empirical scientific proof of a miracle. Well, it's in this book, and I wanted to bring him on and talk a little bit about this. And again, if you've had a miracle in your own life and you want to share a little bit, or maybe you've got a question for Daniel, the number is 888-589-8840. But um, hey, Daniel, thanks for holding. Are you there, my friend? Hey, Alex, it's so great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's great, great to hear your voice, and it was good to reconnect with you there in Nashville. Uh, it's kind of amazing. We were in Nashville 
for four or five days last week at that major convention, and now Nashville's all in the news for the devastation of the tornado. Um, yeah, and crazy I, how uh, one week can make such a big difference. For real, for real. But um, where are you calling in from, Daniel? Uh, I live in Virginia. I'm in uh, on the East Coast, um, kind of not not far from Virginia Beach. Okay, okay. And uh, it, it was good to connect and uh, talk. And um, I want to thank you for carving out some time to be with us today on airing the Addisons and the American Family Radio Network. Um, sure I don't say this lightly. I got your book. Uh, got on the plane to fly home. Literally could not put it down. And Angie wow. as well, my wife, um, we've just pretty much read this book cover to cover in the last four or five days. Uh, first of all, my uh, I commend you for writing a good book. It's published by Charisma House. But um, so what much. led you to do this, Daniel? Yeah, um, 50 True Stories of God's Miracles Today. Uh, like I say, I know some of these people in your book, and these are true. I mean, this is not speculative. I mean, this is real solid, compelling stuff. Um, what what led you to write this, Daniel? Well, Alex, it's kind of a long story, but uh, in 2002, I was healed of cancer. I had a massive tumor uh, inside my chest. It was the size of my heart. It was right above my heart. By the time doctors found it, it was almost too late. It was so large, it was crushing my pulmonary artery, and I was literally suffocating to death, not getting enough oxygenated blood to my body. And, you know, I went through a lot of different treatments and, and stuff and had a lot of people praying for me, anointing me with oil, prophesying to me, saying, Daniel, this thing was born to die. It's going to be a testimony to the Lord. You know, and I took that. And uh, praise God, you know, this was 15 years ago. And the doctor said I could be, you know, I could be dead within a matter of weeks to a few months. And the Lord really did an amazing miracle in my life there, and He also healed me of, of uh, chronic back pain that I had. I was healed instantly at a prayer meeting, and I had pain every day for 10 years, and God took it away instantly. So those two miracles really um, took my faith ahead, and, and particularly after I was healed of cancer, I went back to my, my job at, my, uh, at the television station I was working at, and I had... I'd been there about six months, or I'd been out of work about nine months, actually. And when I came back, you know, I was kind of sharing with my coworkers what I went through and how, you know, I had this massive tumor, and I was able to, um, you know, show them the scans before and after where the tumor was there and then it was gone. And the doctors, you know, they were really surprised that that happened, to say the least. Um, they weren't even sure it would respond at all. And so... I was sharing the, the story of what I went through, and my coworkers were incredulous, you know, and I was like, well, you know, if you think that what I went through was amazing, you should hear about my friends' stories, you know, because I've been a follower of Jesus since I'm very young, and um, I know a lot of people who have had miracles in their life. And you have to understand, where, where I grew up uh, on Long Island, New York, it is not the Bible Belt. There's a lot of skepticism and unbelief. Uh, most of my friends were unbelievers. Most of my colleagues were unbelievers. And so this was a real witnessing opportunity, and uh, <clears throat> it was actually an unbelieving coworker who encouraged me. You know, he said, "Well, I don't really believe in miracles. If the but, you know, if the if the miracles that are in the Bible are true, I would still be seeing them. You know, I would, or we would still be seeing them today. How come I've never seen one?" Right, and I right. Said, you know what? That's a really good question. 
And that kind of became my impetus um, for writing the book because I started sharing my friend's stories, like my friend Josh Bender, uh, who was shot between the eyes at point-blank range. The bullet went into his head, or it ended up in the back of his neck, but somehow missed his brain. And the doctors who took the scans couldn't figure out how the bullet got to the back of his neck without, you know, leaving a path through his brain and killing him. So I shared that story. I shared another story about how one of my friends who jumped out of a an airplane, pulled the ripcord of his parachute, and it didn't open. He pulled the, the secondary chute. That one didn't open. And he ended up landing uh, on the parachutes of the open paratroopers below him in oh, all five word. in sequence. This is a, he was a paratrooper in Vietnam. He was leading a recon mission. So he hit all five parachutes of the, guy, of the guys ahead of him. He landed in the top of a tree. The branches broke his fall. He slid down to the base of the tree, walked away unharmed. He's serving God now. He's a full-time pastor in Long Island. And so many of these stories, I started sharing with my coworkers, and they were all like, man, you should collect these and put them into a documentary film or a book or something. So that's what I started doing, Alex. I started tracking down these people, interviewing them, and then transcribing them. And uh, right when my first book was coming out in 2007, there was a radio station, a Christian radio station, that opened up around the corner from my house, and we pitched the idea to the managers to do this uh, talk show, Divine Intervention. And that's kind of how it got started back in, way back in 2007. Yeah. Uh, well, as word got out, I mean, did people come to you with their miracle stories, or was it, was it hard to, um, you know, hunt down these stories? And, and, and let me just say, folks, we're talking to Daniel Fazina. He's the author of Divine Intervention, 50 True Stories of God's Miracles Today, published by Charisma House. Super good book. Uh, I've been reading on it for a week now, just can't put it down. And I, I don't want to say thank you. Uh, Daniel, in apologetics and defending the faith, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you come across that's just not well done, and it's very, it, it it's not all that compelling. This book is very, very credible. The evidence, the pictures, the uh, the documentation... I want to commend you on writing a solid book. Hey, we got a break. So, Daniel, can you stay with us? Don't go away, okay? Sure thing. Sure. Hey, folks, the American Family Radio Network, Alex McFarland sitting in for Wilden Mickey Addison on today's edition of Airing the Addisons. So glad you're with us. We're going to continue talking with author and researcher Daniel Fazina on God's miracles, his work in this world, his work in your life as well. Call us, 888-589-8840. Airing the Addisons with Alex McFarland is back after this. Don't go away. Every day, babies in their mother's wombs are fighting for life, with abortion being the leading cause of death. I already had my mind made up. I was like, I'm gonna go through with it. The Ministry of Preborn has pregnancy centers nationwide, standing by to help young moms in crisis choose life. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. By letting a mother see her baby in the womb and hear the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. Preborn's mission is to help save babies' lives and souls. To find out more, go to preborn.com. 
That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Enjoy today's Bible Minute with Brian Clark. Hebrews 12 paints the picture of an arena where those faithful who have gone before now watch and cheer for you as you run your race of faith. That's a staggering thought. Imagine Moses and Abraham, Peter and John and Paul, all sitting in the bleachers of heaven, interceding for you, cheering you on. Imagine a spiritual mentor who has died and is now in the presence of Jesus. Imagine that person watching and interceding for you. Then remember Paul's words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Remember, you're nearing the finish line. Your teammates are cheering you on, so run with endurance. For more encouragement from God's Word, visit backtothebible.org. That's backtothebible.org. God is infinite, imminent, yet he's intimate. He lets us into the center of his initiative. With great precision, the prophets recorded visions and prophecies that was given. The prophet is suffers written to reveal the Father's love for us. How he comforts and later how he would come for us. He sent the comforter because we needed his Oh, I love Matthew 6, verse 8. This is such a wonderful promise to all people. It says, the Heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. Isn't that great? Welcome back to Airing the Addison. So glad you're listening. Daniel Fazina, author and host of the Divine Intervention Radio Show. Hey, we have, hey Daniel, um, yeah, you got people thinking because I'm told that the boards are all uh, lit up with callers. 888-589-8840. We're going to go to Rebecca in Mississippi. Uh, Rebecca, are you there? Hello, Rebecca. Okay, do we have Rebecca? Yes. Okay, thanks for holding. Welcome to the program. And we're talking about miracles with an author who specializes in this subject, but have you got a story of God's intervention in your life, Rebecca? I do. Um, It's not as exciting as some of the ones Daniel has told, but um, okay, so my son, about three, three and a half years ago, he was seven at the time, was having bloody noses, and I'm not talking about just like a, a little bit of a bloody nose. It was hours upon hours was calling to send him home. It was months we'd been to the doctors. They didn't know what it was. Um, and I just remember one day, him he, he started getting scared. And one day, he came in, and he had a bloody nose. 
and I remember sitting on the toilet. No one was going to the restroom, but um, I just remember sitting with him in my lap crying because we could not get any help, and, and I knew this was not normal. And I just remember crying out to Jesus and literally bleeding, praying the blood over my child. His name was Braylon. And his bloody nose stopped from that very moment, and we have not had a bloody nose. And so I, that's the only thing I can come with. It was Jesus. and. Awesome. Absolutely phenomenal to hear about these things because they're real, and it just takes a lot of faith, and he takes care of the rest. Rebecca, thank you. What a beautiful story. Daniel, have you heard stories like this before? Uh, Yeah, I've heard uh, similar things. Not not exactly like that, but I've I've had a a lot of different people have had medical um, healings. And, you know, you talked about... Alex, apologetics, and sometimes they're not as credible. And uh, I used to argue a lot with people, unbelievers, and try to use apologetics. But what I found over the years is that sharing testimonies was more effective in opening people's hearts um, because people love stories. And when you can share something that you know that's personal, that hey, God, this is what God did in my life. This is why I believe in Him. I think that disarms people and helps them. Um, uh, be more, I think, receptive to the message. And you also mentioned about the medical documentation or the evidence. Mm-hmm. I went through great lengths to try and uh, not only did all the people in the book, most of them I already knew, so I knew their stories, I knew their character, uh, and you know, I knew them personally. So most of them, that wasn't uh, an issue with as far as integrity or whatever. But so they all had to sign um, affidavits saying it's true. But in the case that 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 they had a medical miracle. I had to uh, track down their medical documentation and, you know, get the doctor's reports, the x-rays, you know, the PET scans. A lot of them are in there. And, you know, it's funny, Alex, is that Charisma House, my publisher, they wanted to get all this documentation together. And when I got it all, and it took a long time to get it from all these different people, but when I got it all, they were not going to publish it. And I said, what do you mean you're not going to publish it? And they're like, no, no, that's just for us internally, so we know it's true. And I was like, no, what about the readers? You know, I think this would go a long way in in helping them to know that it's true, too. So I had to fight with them a little bit, and we finally agreed to put it in in an appendix at the back of the book. So you can actually read medical reports, like from the Mayo Clinic, that talk about my friend Emma McKinley, for example, who was uh, paralyzed in a wheelchair for, oh, gosh, over 15 years, and Jesus appeared to her and healed her, picked her up out of the wheelchair, and she is walking tall today. And you can see the medical reports from that. I mean, they were very familiar with her case in Rochester, Minnesota. She practically lived at the Mayo Clinic. It was a long case. And so the doctors were, you know, incredulous about that, but yet they have the medical documentation. So you can can see the x-rays, you can see the medical reports. And there's also, at the end of each chapter in the book, there's a little bio and a picture of the people and they've included their contact information. So you can email them. Uh, sometimes they have websites. You can actually uh, check it out yourself if you don't believe it. You can talk to them yourselves. So I'm it's hoping that stuff. that will go a long way in adding credibility to these stories. But it, it really does, and I'm going to come back to that. Uh, right now we've got a listener, Janet, in Ohio. Alex McFarland here sitting in for Will and Mickey Addison. We're talking with Daniel Fazina about miracles and his book, Divine Intervention. Uh, Janet, are you there? I am. Oh, I'm just curious, what part of Ohio are you in? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. You know what? I'll have to look. Um, I'll get it on the next break. I'm going to be in Ohio a couple of times this spring to speak. 
But um, good to have you, and, and uh, thanks for listening. Tell us about God's intervention in your world. Well, I can see God intervening in my world all over the place, but um, probably the most miraculous thing that has ever happened in my life was concerning my mother. And um, when I was four years old, um, my mom went to her doctor, and this was at the time before they used disposable needles, and she got a flu shot from a dirty needle, and she contracted hepatitis. And um, all the doctors, they pretty much threw up their hands, and they were like, there's nothing we can do for her. My dad was frantic. He took her to Cleveland Clinic and, and um, you know, everything. And all the doctors at Cleveland Clinic said that there was nothing they could do. And uh, while he was in the hospital room, um, his pastor came in, and he prayed a very specific prayer. He prayed, I pray that she can just hang on 10 years so that he doesn't have to raise his children alone. And mm. my, my mom died when I was 14, and my brother was 16 exactly 10 years later. Wow. So that prayer was answered. And she lived 10 more years. Amazing. Yeah, I would like to say she was healed, but she wasn't. Um, I mean, she was sick all growing up, but at least I got to know my mother. God bless you. God bless you. That that's a beautiful thing. Hey, folks, triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We're talking about miracles, and uh, Daniel, you know the stories you've collected and the stories like the one we just heard. Doesn't it remind you of the mercy of God? That that God is very compassionate to our situation, isn't He? Yes, He is. You know, and and I think about this more and more as I get older, and the more people I see, and the more I talk to. The paradox of the world we live in is so striking to me. I mean, we live in a broken, fallen world that's full of pain and suffering and loss. And yet in the midst of that, we have this amazing God who loves us so much that he didn't leave us alone in the suffering. I mean, he came to earth wrapped in flesh, and it related to us. He suffered with us. I mean, Jesus it even says, you know, when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus wept, so he enters into our suffering with us. And at the same time, he, you know, he did miracles on his earthly ministry to, to show that he was God and that he did love us. And so when he was crucified and resurrected and, you know, went to heaven, we have this hope. You know, we all suffer in this life because we live in this broken world, but we don't have to suffer alone. And God intervenes still on a daily basis, even though, you know, inevitably we're all going to succumb to the sin nature that we have and we'll go to, to heaven one day. But in the meantime, we, we can have peace, and we don't have to suffer alone or as people who have no hope. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, we're going to quickly go to Jerome in Arkansas, and uh, we're talking about miracle stories. We're, we're testifying, we're, we're bragging on Jesus, the goodness of God. But Jerome, thanks for listening. Uh, welcome to AFR. Hi. Good to have you. What, what, what you got, Jerome? Uh, well, it's you know, kind of a little bit on the long side, but uh, I, I grew up in a kind of a messed up family, and um, my dad wasn't the nicest guy in the world. And uh, he ends up, after 30 years, getting divorced from my mom. And me and this uh, guy that God put me in uh, in a relationship with, we, we, uh, we got together and we prayed together every week, and I was praying that God would help me to have a relationship with my father. And... Uh, we prayed that for six months, and uh, my dad ends up 
catching himself on fire. He was working on some uh, lawnmower parts, and he catches himself on fire and actually burns up his house. Mm. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, it sounds real, you know, it, is, it was real bad. Uh, he, he gets burned up to the point, uh, and he's over in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma. And uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, before I ever even knew what I needed to pray, I was praying, you know, God, my my brother needs to be there, and and my aunt had called me that morning, told me that he was he he was hurt. Uh, he was in the over in Tulsa in the burn center, and and so I was sitting there saying, Lord, my brother needs to be there. So I, you know, this is before the time they had cell phones. We just had pagers, and so I called his house. He lived in Conway, and when I called him and talked to his wife, she said, Well, he's on his way to Tulsa. I'll have him call you when he gets there. Five minutes later, he calls me. And I said, well, Dad's uh, got, been in a badly uh, burned, told him where he was at. He goes to see uh, and sees him, and, and so I end up driving over there, and and, uh, and he's in a bad state. Over 33%, uh, th- a third of his body's burnt, uh, and, and it's, uh, I don't know, like fourth-degree uh, burns. Uh, and, the, you know, he's unconscious. He, he you know. He, well, when, when he sat there and, and uh, when he was going through this, he was unconscious. And I came home on a Friday, and I was in the shower, and I was praying, God, I need to know if my dad's going to live or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need if he is. Uh, uh, when I go there in the morning, I want him to be awake. I want him to understand what's going on. I'm being. I want him to be able to communicate. And so uh, we would go. Uh, we, I met my brother there in the morning. And he walked in before me, and he said, hey, Dad. And my dad opened up his eyes, and that's the first time he'd been awake. Uh, and uh, and he, we started talking to him, asking questions. He, he was responding, answering questions. He had the tubes down, so, so he couldn't talk. But, you know, he was uh, shaking his head and stuff. And and that was the only day he was conscious, and he ended up going unconscious. And the nurses said the only time he'd been conscious after that is when they were taking bandages off and and and, uh, and trying to resuscitate him. But but he, you got to interact with him a bit, didn't you? Well, the the we the doctor t- took us into a room because he uh, the doctor took us into a room because he uh, sat there and, and had died numerous times and they brought him back to life and they asked him how far you want to go and I said I touched the doctor on the knee and I said Do you believe in God and he said Well, no, I don't, but it's good to have faith in something like this and I said Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe my dad's going to going to live. I think God, that's what God told me. Right. So ends up two months, two months later, God, uh, my dad walks out of the hospital. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to let Daniel chime in here. Daniel, you no doubt saw many examples of answered prayer in relation to people that were between life and death, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. There were many stories like that. Even, uh, a gentleman I interviewed who was, uh, an atheist, um, who was, uh, his name is Ian McCormack, and he was uh, he was a surfer, and he was surfing out in the Indian Ocean, and he got stung by four or five box jellyfish, which are one of the most venomous things out there. I mean, one sting can kill you normally. And uh, this was up, I think it was around Reunion Island in the Pacific, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up dying um, and went into the morgue. But as he was dying, like, the Lord spoke to him, and he was able to pray and, and call out and, and say the Lord's Prayer, which is the only thing he knew. Um, and he saw his mother praying for him, and, and yes, well, he woke up in the morgue. He had the tag on his toe. Uh, scared the nurses like crazy. Oh, my and word. Was, uh, yeah, he was gone 
for so so they were he was tagged he was tagged and bagged yeah he was out uh and he came back and he gave his life to the lord and he's been a full-time minister and evangelist since then i think this happened in like i want to say the 80s uh, he lives in England, but yeah, an amazing story where you know, pretty much all intents and purposes, he was get he was dead, gone. And hey, yet hey God let me still have mercy on a person even in that state. Amen. Do you know what Daniel? Um, and, and by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, airing the Addisons, Alex McFarland sitting in for Will and Miki today with my very special guest, friend and colleague Daniel Fazina, author of Divine Intervention: Fifty True Stories of God's Miracles. Today, uh, Daniel, I was. Um, about 10 months ago, I was in Texas, and I spoke at a high school and spoke in a couple of churches. Well, I was asked to come and give a talk at a, a hospice unit, and in Texas, it's one of, if not the kind of number one palliative care facility where they care for people that, you know, are dying, people that are not going to live. And so I got to speak to doctors and staff, and there were easily 50 people there, medical doctors, and and some were Christian, some weren't, but I asked at this end-of-life medical center, I said, how many of you doctors uh, and nurses and stuff, you've seen things here that make you believe in the afterlife? 100% of the hands went up. And there were several, and these are medical professionals, these are not, you know, people that are flaky, I mean, folks, these are scientists and medical doctors. And some of them, I would hear stories like this, I would say, well, you know what, I'm not really a religious person, don't know if I believe in God or not, but I've seen the, the room get very bright when people pass, people say they see Jesus, people see loved ones, and they even said that they, um, people at the other end of the building who could not have known said, so-and-so went to heaven today, didn't they? And mm. answered prayer, uh you know, Lord, please let this person live long enough till their loved one can get to town and say goodbye. And, you know, uh, that's not the first time I've given a lot of talk to, a lot of talks to medical professionals and ethics and bioethics, you know, panels and that kind of thing. But my point being, like you document in your book, there's hard physical evidence, x-rays, CAT scans, and testimonies People that have seen God intervene in medical situations, uh, correct? Absolutely, yeah. That's why I wanted to uh, include the medical documentation in my book, because um, a lot of times skeptics will say, hey, you know, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? You know, and I, beyond just anecdotal stories. So I yes. wanted to include the pictures, the bios, and the medical documentation to back it up. Hey, we got to pull away for a brief, brief break, folks. Don't go, go away. You don't want to miss more of Daniel Fazina here on the American Family Radio Network. We're going to talk about miracle stories of God, God intervening in this world as He wants to intervene in your world. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this. it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Those of us who are fathers need to be careful not to become absentee dads, whether by being away from home too much or by being unavailable when we're there. A father's relationship with his daughter strongly influences her relationships with men, sexual behavior, and marriage. A father's relationship with his son strongly influences how to behave as a man. 
He learns to be a good husband and father by observing his own father. There's no better way to make a mark in this world, to shape the next generation, and to leave a lasting legacy than to show love and acceptance to your own kids. Be there as much as you can. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Today's culture is opting for entertainment rather than biblical enlightenment. For those who resist that trend, Friends of Israel shows listeners why loving the Jewish people and supporting Israel is important to the Christian faith. Friends of Israel shares biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah and promotes solidarity with the Jewish people. This is Chris Katolka of the Friends of Israel Today radio program heard each weekend on this station, and here's what's happening in Israel. Friends of Israel, Saturday afternoon at 2, here on American Family Radio. Insanity seems rampant in our nation. Reason seems to have no voice in the marketplace. The American Family Association offers a tool by which you can be heard. The AFA Action Alert is an email opportunity to contact directly our representatives, entertainment sponsors, even corporations, saying we see them, offer a better direction, and when appropriate, acknowledge a job well done. Sign up today at afaaction.net. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt, and I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed, and I looked at the numbers and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. I told him I would never back down uh-huh. So I'm out here giving the gospel yeah. I told him I would never back down Welcome back to Airing the Addisons. Alex McFarland here. Hey, by the way, let me give another little plug for our evangelism seminar. We're going to be doing Sunday night, March 8th, this Sunday night, I will be in the Asheville, North Carolina area, Western North Carolina, Ridgecrest Conference Center, 6.30 p.m., a free seminar on, this is what we call it, a strategy briefing on reaching millennials and younger for Christ. And we've got a way that we're, we're using apologetics, Christian worldview, discussion topics for small groups, and it is getting young people under the sound of the gospel. We can coach you and your church. We want to train you. No strings attached. We just want to give you a tool that God is using to bring millennials, 20-somethings and younger, to Christ. And so if you want more information, you can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, or or you can email me, alex at alexmcfarland.com, and we just want to help you reach people for Christ in your church, because we so need the gospel. And Daniel, while I've got you, um, give me your website. How can people learn about you, and how can they find this very, very fine book that you 
wrote and gave me a copy of? Sure. You can go to divineinterventionradio.com. That's divineinterventionradio.com. That's the website for my radio show. And uh, incidentally, they can get the book there. And if they need some spiritual inspiration, they can listen to the podcast of my show. There's probably about, gosh, I've done over 200 episodes of people who've mm-hmm. had amazing miracles from conversions to answered prayers to healings to near-death experiences, all to the glory of Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? In the book, there's one about Christmas. It's near the end of the book, and I felt like it was especially touching. And uh, any um, of the ones that you, and I know you probably had five times this many that you couldn't fit into the book, which one in the book is like one of your most favorite ones? Yeah, well, the one you mentioned was uh, The Christmas Miracle. That was um, Emma McKinley. And uh, I mentioned her before, but she was in a workplace accident in a department mm-hmm. store that she worked at in 1993, um, and she was injured on the job, and she ended up being paralyzed um, and in a wheelchair, and she was she was diagnosed with RSD, which is reflex sympathetic dystrophy, mm-hmm. and it's basically a very painful uh, neurological condition. But it ended up being, you know, that she was paralyzed. She was in a wheelchair. She was bent over the side of the wheelchair. She had a clubbed hand, and she had like a, uh, or her her hand was clenched in a fist. She couldn't open it, and one of her feet was like a club foot. And uh, she was in Rochester, Minnesota. And this is a kind of a wild story, but she would, you know, she would go to church when she could, and she always persisted in faith. She was a Christian. She kept praying and believing. Uh, but she was stuck in this position, this and like a paralytic, Just very contorted. And like I said, she, what's that? Very contorted. Yes, very contorted. And there's pictures of her in in my book, um, and but everyone in the community knew her as the the crooked woman in the wheelchair, uh, both from church and also going around the city and going to the Mayo Clinic, which is in Rochester, Minnesota, where she lived. And she had the best doctors in the world, and none of them could really help her, and she was pretty much stuck like that until Christmas of 2011. So this is from 1993 until 2011, she's in this position. And she couldn't sleep because she was on... RSD is such a painful condition. Um, It just shoots burning pain sensation all over your body. In addition to being paralyzed, she was in constant pain. And so in 2011, she was up at at her computer in the middle of the night. Uh, She had caretakers during the day, but no one was there during the night. And so she was alone. And she turned her wheelchair, and it and it tipped over and dumped her out on the floor. And so she was twisted and contorted in, in severe, excruciating pain. She could not move, could not get up. And she just was crying out to Jesus, 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 over and over again. And she said she thought either, A, she was going to die, Jesus was going to come and take her home, or B, Jesus was going to help her. And so after hours of crying out, she said she had a vision. She saw Jesus enter her room, reached out and actually lifted her up, picked her up, and as he did, she could feel her her foot being straightened out, her neck and everything being um, set back right. She she opened her hand for the first time in all those years, and she was able to walk. And when her her sons had come over that morning for Christmas Eve morning, and they they knocked on the door, her sons and her grandchildren, and you know they saw her wheelchair in the hallway of the corridor, but they didn't see Grandma. And when they saw her walking down the corridor for the first time, her grandkids had never even known her out of the wheelchair. 
but they they turned pale and white and were just almost dumbfounded. Right, afraid. And it was a true a true miracle. Yeah, and I have yeah. the medical documentation in my book from the Mayo and Clinic, and I have the photos before and after, and uh, it's just an amazing, an amazing thing. Well, you know, in a way, because you've got the documentation. I mean, this is almost like an apologetics book, and um, you know, Daniel. <laughs> Um, I've interviewed 34 of the world's top atheists face-to-face. I would sit down with atheists, and I would say, you know, okay, tell me why you're an atheist, and, you know, disconvert me. Persuade me that none of this is true. And and one of the things atheists always ask is, where's the hard science? Where's the the documentation? And your your book has that. Hold on, time fleets away, but I want to get to Joyce in Oklahoma. Uh, Joyce, are you still there Gra- graciously holding for a long time? Are you there, Joyce? Thanks for holding, yeah. and welcome to AFR. And uh, tell us about God's intervention. Well, I am 84 years old, and for, uh, will be the 4th of June. When I was 8 years old, my mother had not been had her feet on the floor for 6 months. The doctors told my dad she would never walk again. She was in the hospital. I don't remember how long it was. But at that time, we didn't have electricity. And the doctor said she had to have an infrared light for the pain. And so she had she went to her sister's house in, at Oil Center and stayed until and the PEC brought out electricity to our house so she could have electricity. Well, my dad did not believe anything. But my, my aunt... My mom, one of my mom's sisters came by, and she said, there's going to be a healing service at the Gailey Schoolhouse. If I come and get you, will you go with me? And mom said, yes, I'll go. So she came and got her, and we all went. My dad didn't go. He made fun of her. He said, oh, we'll, we'll kill these hogs while you're gone, and you mm. fix us some fresh meat when you get home. So we we went to the service, and when they called for the people to come forward that wanted to be healed, they carried her up there, set her in the chair. The people gathered around her, laid their hands on her, and she said it felt like something hit her in the top of the head and busted that pain right out the bottom of her feet. Mm -hmm. She got up, and she walked over, and she walked up on the stage. There were stairs. Um, probably about six stairs. She walked up there, walked across the stage, down the stairs, around the back of the auditorium, and she went back to her seat. Mm. The doctors told my dad, said, you've seen people's hands where they're drawn, laying back behind, backwards. He said, that's why she'll be. Well, she wasn't. And believe you me, my daddy was a believer after then. She prayed for years and years and years. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hey, thank you, Joyce. Um, In the interest of time, I'm going to sort of change gears just a little bit here. Um, But uh, Daniel, let let me ask you this. The the healings and the answered prayer and the the clear, undeniable intervention of God, what what does that do to the faith of people that have either lost hope or, or were overtly skeptical? Well, I think I think it, it bolsters their faith, really, because especially if it happens to you personally, 
Like in my case, when I had the chronic back pain for 10 years, I had a bulging disc pressing against a nerve. And, you know, chiropractic and physical therapy for years didn't help it. And I even had people pray for me over those 10 years, and nothing happened uh, until that one fateful day. And, you know, at that point, I just kind of resigned myself that I'd have to live with the pain the rest of my life. But when God healed me at a prayer meeting, I mean, that really, first of all, it surprised me because I wasn't expecting anything. But it really took my faith ahead, and I realized even... Um, beyond head knowledge, it became experiential knowledge. It became personal. Mm-hmm. It became real, tangible. And so that just, like, really took my faith ahead. And then, of course, being healed of cancer a year later, it was just more evidence in, of God's power and, and mercy in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we can share those stories with others, unbelievers especially, or maybe people who are kind of on the fence, either way, um, I think it'll really help them and, and bolster their faith. You know, and Alex, what you said about interviewing atheists. Interesting story, just real quick, about Emma McKinley. The woman who told me about Emma used to go to church with her, and, and she's like, hey, I knew this woman when she was in the wheelchair, and she sent me an article about the healing that had just taken place. And this is a girl who I knew who was a very on-fire Christian. She was a missionary, went to Africa and everything, and she was the one who alerted me to Emma. And I read, you know, I read the story, I interviewed Emma, and then she, you know, got her for the book, that girl who saw her in the church personally in Rochester, Minnesota, years later, four or five years later, maybe three years later, she told me that she and her husband had become atheists. Okay, mm. and I don't understand how that happens. When you've become a missionary, you know, you've seen the miracles, you've seen people like Emma, how do you explain them getting up out of a wheelchair? I don't understand how that could possibly happen, but apparently it did. And I've since lost touch with this girl. Her name is Jennifer. Please pray for her. Because yeah, for she was real. one of the most amazing Christians I ever knew. And, and, and how that then later became an atheist. Well. Wow. Yes. Hey, no, hold that I thought. Can see in, your in the gets cold, but deciding that there's just no God, I mean, how does that happen? I don't get uh, it. Uh, I, nor I, nor I. Uh, I want to go to Tennessee. Um, do we have Ashley on hold? Yes. Yeah, okay. Hey, um, sorry to say go quickly, but time fleets away, so t- tell us what you got, Ashley. Yeah, go real super quick. Um, I was uh, 14 years old. I'm 45 now. My father had been diagnosed with lung cancer, had smoked two packs a day since he was 12 years old, and he was about 35, 40 years old at that time. Um, had gone to Memphis, had scans run. Um, they biopsied the piece of the um, lung that they found the cancer in. It came back cancerous. The doctor said, we want to do surgery immediately. He said, you know what, doc, if I'm going to die, I'll die in two weeks, just like I'll die tomorrow. I need to go home, straighten out family affairs. He went back home, came back home. um, And, you know, I remember as a 14-year-old little boy just, you know, falling on my knees, praying to God, you know, I need my father. And um, lots of prayer, lots of everything for my father um, through the church, um, through myself, through the family. Um, my dad went back for his surgery two weeks later, and they went ahead and ran one more scan to make sure they could pinpoint the tumor one more time to go in and, and do the um, removal. And when they did the scan, there was um, no tumor. So they did another scan, and then they did a um, scope to go down inside the lung, and not only was the tumor gone, there was no scar tissue. There was no evidence that there was ever a tumor even there. Amen. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Um, Daniel, uh, you've heard that kind of a story before, I know, haven't you? 
Yeah, that that's a similar thing that happened to me because when the doctors took my scan, my my after uh, PET scan where the tumor had dis- had um, disappeared, the doctor who read my echocardiogram a year later, he was a cardiologist. He said, not only is it amazing that the tumor retracted. But he said when tumors retract, they normally leave scar tissue behind, and mine was completely clean, as if it, would ne- it was never there. The only evidence we have is, is this, the previous scan, but as far as inside, everything was clean. So I praise hey, God for that. I've got to tell you this, and you know, I've had a number of examples of what I truly think are miracles. In fact, you know, just, just recently I was in the Atlanta airport, and a man called out my name, and I turned around, and he said, Alex McFarlane, I said, yeah. And, I mean, the guy turns like, white as a ghost, and he starts to cry. And, I mean, the Atlanta airport is a big airport, folks, as I'm sure you know. And he said, I, I heard you on the radio just randomly, and he, he began to share about some issues. He said, I prayed yesterday. He said, dear Lord, is there some way somehow I could meet Alex McFarland? And uh, he said, I cried out to God, I need help. Anyway, I sat down, talked to him, prayed with him. He had an issue. We shared the gospel. But I mean, I mean, what are the odds? You know, what are the odds? This guy calls out and says, God, somehow I, I need to talk to Alex. Can I meet him? And then the next day in the Atlanta airport, I run into the total strange. I've never met this individual before in my life. But you know what, folks? Here's my point, and I'm going to let Daniel have the last word. Um, God loves you. And that Matthew 6, 8, the, the Lord knows what you need even before you ask. God really does care. And folks, number one, God wants you to come to Christ and be saved. But Daniel, don't you think the American church, we need to rediscover the power of the supernatural and Absolutely. miracles? And yes, that's definitely one of the reasons why I put this book together, to show people, especially skeptics, that God is real, He's still alive, He's still intervening, and still doing miracles in the world today. So... Thank you so much, Alex, for this time to share, and I hope it's uh, been a blessing to you and your listeners. Well, I'm sure it has. And folks, uh, very honored to be sitting in for Will and Mickey Addison, just beloved colleagues. And uh, I'm going to be on Exploring the Word here in the next hour. Tomorrow, 2 to 3 Eastern, I'll be on Focal Point sitting in for Brian Fisher. But you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about AFR. Most of all, tell somebody about Jesus. God bless you, and thanks for listening to this edition of Airing the Addisons, and I thank my guest, author, researcher, Daniel Fazina. We hope to see you again soon. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.